Uh, we're studying Proverbs, and I'm realizing we are swimming in a world where wisdom is being offered to us constantly, all around us, wherever we go, every single day, on signs, on billboards, on t-shirts, slogans. Uh, I got in my car the other day, and I turned on the radio, and I heard somebody tell me, don't be the only person missing out on unprecedented home mortgage interest rates. Refinance your home now. Okay, I better do that. I drove to the Livermore pool across the street to swim some laps, and there's a big whiteboard there, and somebody had written an inspirational quote from legendary coach John Wooden, and the quote said, be prepared and be honest. And I thought, okay, I'll try to be honest with this swim here today, Coach Wooden. I go to Kaiser for an appointment, and somebody had written, like painted on the front of the building. They hired somebody to do this decorative mural, and it said, every act of kindness grows the spirit and strengthens the soul. Uh, we were driving on the freeway, and Molly pointed this out to me. She said, Dad, Dad, look, you should use that for your proverb sermon. The bumper sticker that said, treat everyone with kindness. Ah, that's pretty good. It's wisdom all around us. And then the other night, my kids and I had a movie night, and we watched Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. It wasn't long before there were Oompa, Luma, <laughs> Oompa Loompas singing at us. Oompa Loompa Doompa Dee Dee. If you are wise, you'll listen to, me. listen to me. Everybody wants you to listen to what they have to say. There's wisdom all around us all the time. So here's a question. What keeps Proverbs from being just another voice in the crowd, just another source where you can go for potentially good advice? That's a good question that we should be asking as we study it. And I can give you an answer to that question. What makes Proverbs different in one word? That one word is Yahweh. Yahweh is the difference. The Hebrew Bible's Proverbs are Yahweh's people sharing their experience of how to live in tune with the wisdom of Yahweh in Yahweh's world. These Proverbs are different because they include God and because they depend on God. In general, there are some worldviews that go to certain extremes, especially worldviews that don't include God. There's one worldview that says that everything is random, everything is chance. And I asked uh, one of our resident artists, Janae Grant, to help me depict this with three different kinds of boats. So Gabe, go ahead and throw up that first, that picture of that first boat up there. Oh, he's not there. Can somebody uh, sit in the chair and uh, help us look at these? Oh, he is there. Sorry, I didn't see his head. Can you throw up that first picture there, my man, Jeff? Hey, there we go. No, the first one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is what some people say. The world is random. And we, if we're this boat, then we're just being tossed and, and thrown around. There's nothing we can do. You might be over here. You might work your hardest, but then it doesn't amount to anything. It doesn't make a difference. It's all just wild. It's all just random. That's one extreme worldview that some people will have. And if they're giving you wisdom, you may recognize that it's, it's a little faithless. It doesn't acknowledge a God. And some people go to the opposite extreme. This is the next picture up here. This is the next idea of which boat we could be in. Some people say, no, 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 the world is wild and it's all random and it's all crazy, but that's why you got to be in control of everything. So in, hey, Gabe, show us this next picture up here, if you would, please. I am the captain of the ship. I am the one who is driving. I am the one in charge of the boat. Uh, you're just going to have to imagine it, I suppose. Uh, and then the third view is the one that I think is where we get Proverbs. Proverbs is affirming the view uh, that, yes, things are crazy, and yes, things are wild, and yes, you can drive your ship a little bit, but you should not try to take it all 
on your side. Okay, rewind. This is the second one. This is me saying, I am in charge of my boat. And this world is wild, but by gum, I am going to tame it. This, it's up to me because this is how I'm going to get what I want in life. This is the second worldview. Okay, and then this is the third one. You'll notice I'm still in the boat. I'm still involved in the direction that the boat is going. But there's wind in my sails. There's this, this presence of God that I am in tune with, that I am acknowledging. In this one, I have a map. I'm, it's, it's not just me saying, I'll just figure out where I want to go. But, but no, there's this involvement of God in my world. That's what Proverbs says. That's what the whole Bible acknowledges. That's what I want to draw our attention to this morning as we look at some specific Proverbs that humbly call us to remember this truth, that God is present and he's actively involved in our lives today. And this is a section right in the middle of Proverbs that are called the Yahweh Proverbs. And you'll see why. Because they talk about the Lord. They reference the Lord in almost every single one of the Psalms. So let's read these together now, starting in Proverbs 15, verse 33, and then on through 16, 9. Listen to these Yahweh Proverbs. Wisdom's instruction is to fear the Lord, and humility comes before honor. To humans belongs the plans of the heart, but from the Lord comes the proper answer of the tongue. All a person's ways seem pure to them, but motives are weighed by the Lord. And then one that we heard before, earlier in our worship service. Commit to the Lord whatever you do, and he will establish your plans. The Lord works out everything to its proper end, even the wicked for a day of disaster. The Lord detests all the proud of heart. Be sure of this, they will not go unpunished. Through love and faithfulness, sin is atoned for. Through the fear of the Lord, evil is avoided. When the Lord takes pleasure in anyone's way, he causes their enemies to make peace with them. And better a little with righteousness than much gain with injustice. In their hearts, humans plan their course, but the Lord establishes their steps. If you've been joining us this month in reading one chapter of Proverbs a day, and hopefully you have, and if you haven't, you're welcome to start right now. Today is the 16th. Read Proverbs 16. 31 days in January, 31 chapters in Proverbs. It's perfect. If you've been doing this, then you probably noticed in the Proverbs from the last week, there's this big emphasis on character consequence wisdom. If you do this, you'll get this. The wise person sees these kinds of results, the foolish person comes to ruin, and so on and so on. And that may make you start to think that, okay, the Proverbs, it sounds like that second picture of the boat where I'm in charge and I'm the captain of my destiny and I got to take the, the bull by the horns. And uh, yes, there is an acknowledgement that we have involvement in our life and that our actions, we get the results of the things that we put in, but it's incomplete without acknowledging God. If you study through the whole book of Proverbs, you'll start to notice there's different sections. And last week, we focused in on uh, section one through nine, which kind of read like lectures on wisdom. We heard from Lady Wisdom herself calling those to heed her advice. Uh, the section that we're in right now is, are called the Proverbs of Solomon, and they go from chapter 10 through about midway through chapter 22. So if you imagine that, oh, and I think there's a slide up there for that. Uh, Gabe, you want to put that up there and give us a little help with the visual here? Yeah, there they are. So there's this span of the, the Proverbs of Solomon. And the section that I just read, called the Yahweh Proverbs, are right smack dab in the center. If this was a basketball and you, you put your finger here, you could spin it and balance it on your finger. Right there, the Yahweh 
Proverbs. This tells us that the people who arranged these Proverbs, they were saying something. By putting this in the center, they were saying, this is an idea that is central. Don't go thinking that there's no one driving the boat, and don't think that you're the only one in the boat. Proverbs takes God's presence and rule for granted. And the section that we just read reminds us of that truth, that God is actually the captain. And when we don't acknowledge this, or when we forget this for a time, Proverbs tells us this is an act of human pride. And it's something that we heard addressed in this section. Back in in verse 5, the Lord detests all the proud of heart, but be sure of this, they will not go unpunished. And then, if you go into the New Testament and you listen for wisdom from the book of James, James puts it like this. James chapter 4, starting in verse 13. Now listen, you who say, today or tomorrow, we'll go to this or that city. Maybe we'll spend a year there, carry on business, and make money. James says, well, you don't even know what's going to happen tomorrow. What is your life? You're a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say this. If it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or do that. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes, and all such boasting is evil. In other words, don't think you're the only one who gets to steer the boat. It is wise to include the captain in the plans that you have for his boat. A few months ago, my daughter Molly had some plans that she thought were really good plans. And I thought they were good plans. And our neighbors in our townhouse complex where we live, they all thought, They were good plans too, but the plans came to a screeching halt. Molly said, you know what I want to do? I want to start a community garden. Well, of course you do, Miss Entrepreneurial Spirited Molly. So you sure. Okay, so she wanted to create a plot of land where all the neighbors can grow things together. Everybody puts in a little bit of work, and we all prune things, and then we get to all benefit from the crops. Yay, what a great idea. She started telling our neighbors about this idea. They said, that's a wonderful idea. Let's do that. They start bringing bags of dirt over to our house. They start bringing these giant planters that we were going to grow big tomato plants and orange trees and just this vision was everybody was excited about this and then it stopped when we realized it was against the HOA policy boo HOA ah, they're always keeping us from having fun everybody was grumbling about this man we pay all this money for the homeowners association why can't we have a community garden well They probably have their reasons. Maybe there was a a past history where they tried to do that. Maybe it's against some policy that we weren't considering. All we were focused on was getting some tomatoes. It was going to be great. Everybody thought it was a wonderful idea. But the HOA, under whose authority we had all agreed to live, said no. And that happens sometimes with our plans in life. We get all excited about some great idea. We're going to do this. And God, you should like this idea because I see all the good things that's going to happen. But sometimes God says, well, I see more than you do, and I have my reasons, so guess what? Those aren't the plans I have for you, and they just kind of stop. And we sometimes react in a way like we did with the garden, like, that's so, oh, what a mean God. He wants to keep us from doing all the great stuff. We take a step back and say, maybe there's a reason for this. Maybe God has other plans. Maybe we have thought it through. Maybe we're not as smart as God, and we should let him navigate. We should let him guide us. We should trust in him. Um, Proverbs 16.3 puts it like this. Commit to the Lord whatever you do and he will establish your plans. That's a good reminder for us. How many of our plans do we run by the Lord? How many do 
of them do we take up before God in prayer? Hopefully some of them, but maybe not as many as we, we think. Definitely the big stuff, the kinds of stuff we're always praying about together. Oh, yeah, I'm going to make a big move. We've got to ask God if this is his will and the right thing. But even daily decisions are things that we can take before God. I was in an elders meeting here at Tri-Valley a while back. We were sitting around and just talking about how the church was doing. And uh, at this time, the missions committee, the group that had overseen how we support our foreign missionaries at this church, they had brought some kind of uh, proposal before the elders. They said, we think that we should do this. And I remember one of the elders, uh, you know, glanced at the proposal and said, well, I say we do it. I don't really even need to read it all that thoroughly because I know that this group, this missions committee, this is a group that has taken this decision, whatever it is, and they have steeped it in prayer. He said, this is a decision that has already been steeped in prayer. And I'll never forget that phrase. And I'll never forget that faith and that confidence that he put in this group of prayerful men and women from our church. And said, like, if they think we should do it, I think we should. Because they've already run this by God. They've already been deep in prayer with this decision. I thought, that is great. I want to be the kind of person that if I come to somebody and say, like, this is what I think we should do, or, or this is where I think I'm going to go, I want them to have the same confidence knowing that, well, I'm sure he's already been praying about this. I'm sure this has already been something that has been steeped in prayer. It's a good time for us to pause and ask ourselves, you know, how many of our daily decisions, the large ones or the small ones, have been steeped in prayer? James tells us, instead you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will do this or that. And then Proverbs, commit to the Lord whatever you do, and he will establish your plans. Okay, so we need to acknowledge God is with us, and we need to include God in our lives, but where exactly is God, and how does he act in our midst? That's a good question. That's a question that the people of Israel might have been asking when these Proverbs were written. Israel, you may know, had kind of an up-and-down history. Sometimes they were doing great, and they were conquering surrounding nations, they were expanding their territories, and God was winning battles for them. And the people in their history, they'd seen the waters of the Red Sea parted, and they'd seen battles won, and God's faithfulness firsthand. They had these accounts. But at this point in their history, they maybe had been conquered. Israel had been through exile. They didn't have the power that they used to have. They had their land, but they weren't in charge anymore. So they may come to the history of God and the presence of God and say, yeah, we used to see that. It used to be real clear, but how does God work among us today? And maybe we have that question from time to time. It seems like God used to be a lot more hands-on. So where is God? Where's this God that we heard so much about? Again, if you've been reading these daily Proverbs from the last week, you will notice there's a lot of conversation about the details of your everyday life. Some commentators even say that the Proverbs practical even than the Ten Commandments from Exodus. And you might say, whoa, 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 are you, are you taking the Proverbs and putting them above the Ten Commandments? Because that's, that's the Ten Commandments, right? Those are the big ones. What I think they mean is Ten Commandments is God's will for God's people in broad strokes. He makes these kind of these big boundaries that you should stay in, like I don't want you uh, murdering folks. That's, that's a bad idea. Let's not have us doing that. Okay, sounds good. Don't be stealing things that don't belong to you. That's just no good. Let's just not do that. Can we all agree? Don't take things that aren't yours. Good. Broad brush strokes. But the Proverbs, they get into the nitty gritty. It has to do with uh, parents and children relationships, things that you do when you're at work. I took a little uh, survey as I read through the, the passages from this last week, and I noticed it mentions uh, 
workplace stuff, friends and neighbors, speaking carefully, not gossiping, keeping confidences, controlling your temper, how husbands and wives should treat each other, how parents and children should treat each other, using good judgment, money and wealth, eating and drinking, feelings of envy, desires that you have and how you manage them, and it goes on. Maybe you notice that too. It's very practical and very relatable. I think that is Proverbs' answer to the question, where is God? Proverbs says, as you navigate your day-to-day affairs, God is right there with you in the boat. He is not far away. He's not the kind of person that only checks his texts every three days, and you're like, "Ah, I need a reply here. Come on, check your phone, guy. That's not the kind of God we're dealing with. He is hands-on. He is with us. He is present. The how question is a little bit harder to answer. As much as we would like it to, it doesn't give us a lot of detail on how God acts. But it assumes and it trusts that God does act, that he is present, that he's active and involved in our lives. And as we look to the example of Jesus, we hear that Jesus has a hope for his people, for the people who would follow him after his resurrection. His hope for the church to be vessels and also conduits, distributors, uh, connectors for God's Holy Spirit in this world. God works in and through us when we go with the flow of that chokmah that we talked about earlier, that divine wisdom of God that permeates all of creation. When we love our neighbor, when we care for the poor, when we use our money and our possessions wisely and generously, that is when the kingdom, the will, and the wishes of God are present. And Jesus is a great example of this for us because he filtered every one of his decisions, every single thing that he did through the question, what does God my Father want? Even to the point of laying down his life on the cross so that sin and death could be destroyed. Amen and thank you for doing that, Jesus. One of the verses from the section that we read earlier kind of points ahead of itself to the reconciliation with God that we have through Jesus. Proverbs 16, 6 and 7. Through love and faithfulness, sin is atoned for. Through the fear of the Lord, evil is avoided. When the Lord takes pleasure in anyone's way, he causes their enemies to make peace with them. It's an awesome reminder that we have reconciliation with God through Jesus Christ. And we have peace in this world when we imitate Jesus and invite God into our daily decision-making process allowing our whole lives to be God-centered and steeped in prayer, not just being swayed by the next exciting wisdom slogan that we see or hear, but listening for the wisdom of God in his word and in the Christian community. So, again, here's the invitation. If you haven't been journeying with us, reading one chapter of Proverbs a day, uh, start now. Start today or start tomorrow. Today's the 16th, tomorrow's the 17th. There's more good stuff to come. Each Sunday I'm going to get up here and just kind of give some guidance and help us understand what it is that we're reading. But the real value in soaking up God's wisdom is just hearing it in your home and saying, you know, like Greg asked us this morning, what is this saying? Do I understand what's going on here? And they're pretty easy to understand. And what does God want me to do with this? How might God be using these words, these ancient words of wisdom to direct my life today and how I should interact with people? So I want to encourage you guys to do that. I'm going to end with a little uh, illustration Frank Laubach was a Christian missionary whose writings have inspired and revived a lot of Christians who may have burnt out on their faith. Just, I've been following Jesus for a long time. I feel like it's just the same old, same old. Read some Frank Laubach. He's, he's a creative guy. 
He uses his imagination to stay connected to the Lord in the way we're talking about today. Well, he wrote about an exercise that he would often do to help keep the Lord on his mind. And it's a really simple thing. Uh, it's not hard to learn. It's not hard to do. You could start doing it uh, right now, even. He would simply picture Jesus with him. As though Jesus were standing next to him or sitting in the seat in the same room with him. If he was sitting on the couch, you would imagine Jesus sitting on the couch, hearing what he's hearing, being involved with what he's doing, maybe eating some potato chips. If he was walking out on the road, he would picture Jesus walking with him. And he found that doing this throughout the course of his day helped him maintain the worldview that is the same as what Proverbs has been telling us throughout this morning. The same as that picture that we have of the boat with the wind in its sails. That truth that God is with us and God's chokmah is woven into all of creation and we're called to live into it. So that's the second invitation. The invitation to read a proverb every day as it matches up with the calendar date. That's number one. But number two, I want you to try this exercise throughout your week. Picture Jesus in the room with you. Picture Jesus in the car, in the classroom, in the meeting that is long and boring and could have been an email. But let that image of Jesus' presence empower you to do more things in conjunction with the mind and the heart of the Savior. Since Jesus is right there with you, you may take an opportunity to ask him questions like, ah, what do you think we should do here? What's the best use of our time? How should I respond to this person that maybe I'm at odds with? If you're typing a, a text or an email, maybe just turn and say, should I say it like this? Should I maybe rewrite that paragraph? That's wise of all of us to do. You can imagine the kinds of things that you and Jesus can do together and the blessing that it will have in your life and in the lives of the people around you. So that's the invitation and the challenge for this week. Stay connected uh, to those Proverbs, read one chapter a day, and do the Frank Laubach exercise where you picture Jesus with you and just see how it goes. That's it. Uh, I want to invite you to, um, well, normally we have a song, but we don't have a song today. Matt, make your way up here. Matt uh, McLean is going to lead us in some prayers for one another as we close out. Uh, but then the final invitation is uh, if you just want to talk about how life is going, if you need someone to listen, uh, I am here. You can talk to me after church or connect with me throughout the week. And uh, I'd love to just hear how God is working in your life and pray for you. That's something that we do. We lift each other up in prayer. Uh, if you have any prayer requests, then you can write those down on a card, put them in the basket in the back of the foyer. Those will get sent out in an email that we send. And, and this is a praying church. If you're like, I don't know, I don't want people to know, or I'm not sure if people will actually pray. People are praying a lot here and uh, we have a lot to pray about and keep one another in prayer that way. Okay, that's enough from me, Matt. Good morning, church.